This podcast is brought to you by public.com, the investing social network. Public is a free app where you can own the companies you believe in and share ideas in a community of investors. There are a few investing apps out there, but here's what's different about public. There are social features that allow people to share and discover new ideas, and the app supports responsible investing habits, so they don't encourage day trading, nor do they offer margin accounts or options. Features like safety labels on potentially risky stocks give members more complete context. Public has also opted out of payment for order flow, so they don't sell your trades to third parties. Public's community is about 40% women and 45% people of color, so its members come from all sorts of backgrounds and walks of life. Conversations on public span deep dives into new IPOs, as well as general insights on financial wellness and category trends. You can even use group chats to build investing clubs with your friends. Head over to public.com to sign up and start with a free slice of stock. Get going with as little as $1, and if you're looking to transfer your portfolio over from another brokerage, they'll even cover fees for accounts valued at over $150. Some fine print, valid for U.S. residents 18 years and older, and subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Brahage Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from FinTech Today, where we talk about all things FinTech. And in this episode, I am joined by Andrew Brown of Check. Um, he's actually a serial entrepreneur, though, too, although his first startup was not in the FinTech space. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that as well. But you are in the payroll space these days, correct, Andrew? That's right. And where, where are you based right now? Where's your company based and where are you based? Because I know things are starting to go back to normal, but not everyone is in their permanent location yet. Yeah, so I am based in New York, live in Brooklyn, and uh, the company is uh, is distributed all across the US and Canada at this point. As we go back to normal, though, based on where your company is and where you are, what's your guys' policy going to be in terms of you know going back to the office and everything? I feel like this is the point where I can start asking that question a little bit more because I feel like people do have to start making a decision on what that corporate policy is going to be. Yeah, so we're about 45 people at this point, and we are roughly a third in New York, a third in SF, and a third um, fully distributed. Um, our policy is more so than policy. We found folks who are in uh, cities and in locations where we plan to have offices, which are New York and SF, at least initially. Folks want to be in, and so we expect folks to be in typically three or four days a week in uh, in those locations. But we are very happy to hire folks, um, you know, all over the country and in Canada as well, and and uh, and just have them work from home too. So what exactly is it that Check does? As I alluded to, you guys are a payroll company and it makes a lot of sense with the company name as well. But payroll is such a broad term and there's so many different areas of it that you can tackle as well. Yeah, so we are really doing something new in the space too. And I think we're, uh, I struggle sometimes with the term payroll company because we're, we're partially a payroll company, but really more than that, I think we're an infrastructure company. Fundamentally what Check does is we're an open platform for building new payroll products. So the way to think about that is, um, you know, if you look over the last 10 years, companies like Stripe have made it possible for you to accept payments as a business. We make it possible for you to actually make payments to your employees as a business or, or really more specifically for platforms to launch payroll as a new business line. 
um, on uh, you know as part of that platform. So the the comparison would be to a lot of the banking as a service providers. You want to go embed banking and launch that as a new service. We enable you to do pretty much exactly the same thing, but on the payroll side. I usually find that founders you know, it's something either a personal pain point or it was a friend or family that was struggling through this or something they read and it really, you know, resonated with them. What made you want to tackle this issue? Yeah, it, it was a friend. It was uh, there was a company that we were close to uh, in the scheduling space, focused on hourly workers, main street businesses. You know, typically ten to fifteen employees, that sort of thing. And when you think about a scheduling tool, that's where it, it has all of that employee roster, all the hours that are being worked, all that data. But they couldn't connect it to payroll. They couldn't actually run payroll that way, and so they ended up with this sort of just terrible data import export problem of getting all the hours out of that system and putting them into an old legacy payroll provider and trying to keep all of these th things in sync. Which you know, as a small business owner, you have a million one other things to do than be you know munching spreadsheets with your uh, your employees' hourly data. And so that's where where we came in. Is they wanted to add payroll. It really didn't have a way to do it. It's an incredibly complicated space. I think it's there's not another industry that I think can really compare and that it's not just a sort of national regulation or even a state regulation. It's all the way down to the local level. So there's 13,000 different taxes all across the country. Um, some states pay for every school district based on payroll taxes. So that gives you a sense of kind of, you know, how far up and down the stack you have to go all the way from the IRS down to individual school districts. And so any you know kind of given software company that's way too much complexity for them to manage and that's where check is an infrastructure company is able to come in and provide a set of initially api first um, infrastructure for you to build on top of to create launch and then ultimately scale um, you know payroll as a business line for your platform and i'm glad you mentioned how complicated this is because before starting my own company i had no idea how complicated payroll is and we only have like you know, three full-time employees and then, you know, five to 10 contractors that work for us. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, like workers comp and all these other things that go with payroll that people just don't realize. Like you, like you said, you start a small business focusing on something like, hey, I just want to build this product or sell this thing, whatever. Payroll is not something that you're like, oh yeah, I start a business and I just want to run payroll. Like this is so exciting. <laughs> totally. It's one of these things that I think the average person doesn't really appreciate because it doesn't actually, obviously as an employee you get paid, but it's really the business owner that bears the brunt of the pain for payroll. So what we generally find is when you talk to a business owner, they understand why better tooling is needed in this space and frankly why there needs to be more entrepreneurs that are creating products you know, aimed at these small business owners. Um, employees, it, it's typically a little bit further removed from them, but we're, we're really focused on enabling, as I said, entrepreneurs to solve problems you know, for those small business owners. You've mentioned small business, obviously, but is there a certain type or certain size that is sort of your bread and butter? And how should we think about that in the future as well? Would that expand or is you know the space large enough that you're just focused on really getting that core customer? Yeah. So to be really clear, Check doesn't go, we are, we are B2B, but we don't go and sell a payroll service directly to any company of any size. What we do is we sell infrastructure to um, platforms. And so those platforms could be a, you know, seed stage vertical SaaS company that might just be getting started. It could be a, uh, you know, kind of multinational public corporation that's been around for, uh, you know, for many decades. In either case, uh, typically they're going to work with hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of small businesses already. And they're going to work with Check to introduce payroll as a service that they offer. So we had Craig Lewis from GigWage on a few weeks ago, and they're also in the payroll space, obviously for the gig economy, hence GigWage. What would you say would be the key differences between you guys and someone like that? Yeah. So, I mean, really the difference, again, is that we are not 
um, you know, actually enabling you to just pay someone as an individual business. So the, the better comparison would be someone like a, a Stripe Treasury or a unit or someone of that nature. That's really where we sit in the payroll space. And that's the thing that, frankly, we're doing for the first time. As of, you know, six months ago before we launched the company, it really wasn't possible without, you know, hundreds of people, multiple years of investment for you to really go and launch payroll as a new line of business for your service. And that's what we've stood up. So, um, you know, we make it feasible for you in a matter of a few months to actually launch payroll um, as an add-on to your product. So, you know, using an example, if you um, you know, run a big vertical SaaS company, so uh, MindBody or ProCare or Service Titan or folks of that nature, um, you know, you power all sorts of different local businesses. Um, you already typically run payments for them. You probably do some amount of scheduling for them. It's a relatively straightforward addition on top of check to then add in payroll as another service that you're going to be able to offer to all of those businesses that you're powering. And so it's that, you know, second layer removed um, uh, where we sit and where we're able to play by enabling those companies. What are the pros and cons to tackling this space the way you have versus the way that other companies have? Because like I said, payroll is a massive thing. Like we use Gusto for our payroll. Someone else might use something else. They could be on the true infrastructure side like you guys are. What are how should I think about the pros and cons to those businesses and how the cash flow works? Yeah. So the the advantage of building um, payroll in the way that we have is that um we enable other folks to focus on the nuances of every type of business. So what we find is that um, each business has its own sort of needs and its own tools that it uses. And as a result, it tends to have sort of um, specific payroll flows. So for example, if you are a um, you know, very hourly focused business um, you know, with a lot of folks kind of shifting around, like scheduling is a really big pain point for you. If you are a field service business, um, a lot of commissions might be really important for you and dealing with things when folks are not in the same place is more important. If you're a, um, you know, a software business with, you know, kind of a handful of engineers, uh, it's a whole other set of things that, that are frankly more straightforward. It's mostly salary work. And so um, what we enable is for, you know, a whole slew of entrepreneurs on top of our platform to go and build um, really fit for purpose, like tailored workflows for each of those business types. The, the flip side of that and the advantage of, of just building the product directly is that you're able to, um, you know, go and and sort of focus on, um, I'd say the broad base case. You know, you're building end to end, right? It's it's sort of the classic difference between a product and a piece of infrastructure as a product. You know, you know every step in the flow, every piece of what you're going to do. Check is definitely one layer removed there, and that we don't build the full product, but we give other entrepreneurs the tools to go and solve the uh, the issues that they're seeing out there in the market. So our our hope, to kind of, you know. Uh, for Check to be successful, what we think will happen will be you know, probably hundreds of new payroll companies, eventually thousands of new payroll companies that are created um, you know, in the years to come. I mentioned when I was introducing you that this is not your first startup. Uh, the other one, I believe, had to do with books, correct? That's right. Yeah, it was called Oyster. And you ended up selling that to Google a few years back, right? That's right. Yeah, we uh, we started the company in 2012 and ran it for about uh, four years before selling it to Google in, uh, in late 2015. And so what made you, I always wonder, you know, what makes people want to be serial entrepreneurs? Because it's such a, it's tough starting a company. And so often they end up failing. There's times even when they succeed that you think they're going to fail while you're building it. And it gets really frustrating. What made you want to come back and do something not only again, but something completely different. Yeah, it, it was pretty clear to me very soon after selling Oyster that I definitely wanted to go and do it again. I had loved that whole experience. Everything you said is 100% right, to be clear. Uh, it was hard, there were ups and downs, and, and I, I knew I needed to recharge a little bit before doing so. But I think there's really a 
there's a power and a beauty to kind of creating something new, putting it out in the world, and then having the world react to that and seeing kind of what change you can uh, can go out and create that is it's really special. And I think that's a lesson that I was really fortunate to to learn early on in my career. And so, you know, knew that I wanted to go out and do that same thing again and, and frankly get the band back together as much as possible, which was a lot of what we did in, in the very early days of Czech when we got started, uh, you know, two and a half years ago at this point. Um, you know, it's funny in terms of doing something different. In some ways, it is very different. It's certainly not a consumer business. It's an infrastructure business at the same time. Um, you know, there's a common thread there, which is a lot of the work that we did at Oyster was focused on the publishing industry and how did we sort of build new business models with them and integrate with their systems and their tools and these sorts of things. It was frankly, a, I think at that point in time, an overlooked space and something that you know we were often working with companies that were frankly a, a century or more old. And in, in Czech in that way is very similar where it's this overlooked space. It's something that very few people understand and where, you know, we're often working with tax codes and frankly, basically building abstraction layers, um, you know, on top of these tax codes that are, you know, at best decades old at times, you know, more than that. Um, and, uh, and so in that way, and it often feels actually quite similar in terms of the work that we do. The last funding round that you guys did, uh, it closed earlier this year, like uh, in January, I believe that you guys announced it and it was led by Stripe. Talk me a little bit through the process of, you know, why why would someone like Stripe invest in you? Because I typically find that their investments are very strategic to something that they might want to do in the future or partner with in the future. Um, and you know, how should I think about that? Cause I hear that you sold your last company to Google and I'm like, Ooh, maybe they'll sell check to Stripe in the future. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's very much not the goal. Having done that once before, I, uh, I, I found that I really enjoyed being in the seat running a, a startup and, and the goal is to do that for a long time to come. And, you know, that said, uh, we are, are thrilled and, and really humbled to have, you know, Stripe as investors in the business. So they did, um, uh, lead the round along with Thrive that we announced uh, back in January. And and frankly, that really started from even back in, in the Oyster days where we built our subscription payment system uh, at Oyster on top of Stripe, uh, you know, got to know the team there felt fairly well, especially as one of the, the early customers on their subscription system. Frankly, I also learned a lot about how to build um, you know, kind of developer focused, um, you know, fintech platforms as a result of building on those services. And so, um, you know, when it came time, uh, you know, with uh, with Check to raise the most recent round, uh, you know, there was a natural affinity there and frankly, just a shared worldview that, uh, again, as I alluded to at the top, you know, Stripe has spent a lot of the last 10 years making it possible for businesses to accept payments online. There really hasn't been another company that has approached payroll, which is really, again, it's, it's a $10 trillion wage stream every year that's paid just in the U.S. from companies to those employees. And no one has built developer facing infrastructure for that space frankly, ever. Um, and so, you know, by really approaching it in that way, there was just a, a kind of a very natural kind of aligned worldview there. And so the uh, the kind of the investment opportunity, I think, was, uh, was pretty clear on both sides. Like I mentioned before, too, that whenever you do do a startup, there's always these times where things get really frustrating. You're not sure it's going to work. Something goes really wrong and you're just putting out fires. Uh, Tell me about one of those times for you guys, because like, for instance, with FinTech Today, sometimes like it's really hard to actually design the email correctly because wherever people open the emails, whether it's desktop, mobile, Outlook, Gmail, whatever, it looks so different and you're trying to make it so it's appealing and they're not leaving you and, you know, holding on to those customers. Um, what have been some of the struggles for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think the really clear one, like for many other businesses, was the beginning of COVID last year. That was a moment where, you know, our direct customers are 
um, entrepreneurs, you know, startups, vertical SaaS companies, workforce management platforms, these sorts of things. But most of them work primarily with small businesses. And so when, you know, most of our customers, their entire customer base was shut down, uh, you know, that that keeps you up at night. And so, you know, like everyone else, we really didn't know where things were going to go, what was going to happen. And, you know, were, were our customers, frankly, still going to exist? And there was a you know, definitely a month or a six week period there where you really just had to buckle down and frankly do the work and uh, and, and to some degree hope that the, uh, you know, the world was going to turn around. And then, you know, frankly, we were just very, very pleasantly surprised by uh, by how quickly it did. And then frankly, accelerated out from there where where if anything, now we see the opposite, where so many small businesses really have been pulled online as a result of COVID. And they are, you know, looking for new and better tools to use. Frankly, all of our customers have grown um, as a result of really being the most innovative players in the space and being the ones that have enabled those businesses to come online. And so, you know, it's kind of this thing that initially was, uh, you know, a potentially existential crisis that's actually turned into what we see as a a major tailwind over uh, over the next few years for us. So in your previous funding rounds, what was your total addressable market that you would tell people? And in this most recent one with that data, what was like, how much did that grow? Because you're talking about like more small businesses looking at this as well as them getting bigger. Yeah, I don't know that I can exactly quantify it for you, but what I'll say about the market is, is first of all, payroll is one of these spaces that, you know, literally every single company needs it. And so it's, it's a massive market, you know, to begin with. Um, that said, it's incredibly fragmented, and and if you sort of go and find all the public market data that you can about you know the, the payroll providers that small businesses use, it kind of all adds up to still only roughly half of them, um, and and the rest is a very long tail of pen and paper and very small services you haven't heard of these sorts of things, and so it's really that other half that I think has started to come online much more so over the last year, and so it's been a big accelerant for the space. So I'm going to start asking people this one question as a takeaway at the end. If there was one private fintech company that you could invest in right now, not your own, a different one, which one would it be and why? Oh, that's a that's a tough question because I'm, uh, I'm I'm close with so many of them. And, um, you know, look, I'll, I'll speak to another company that I think is um has been a, a he played a big role in our ability to get started, which is a company called Modern Treasury. Um, and they uh, are really a sort of abstraction layer, very similar to Check, but where we abstract away um, the payroll space, they really abstract away the banking and ACH space. And so, um, you know, from the earliest days, it's made it much easier for us to to work with banks to, um, you know, start to handle ACHs, these sorts of things. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're big fans of Dimitri and uh, and everyone over on the team there and certainly would love to uh, to be an investor. Dimitri is one of the FinTech Today community members in our Slack channel, so he will be very happy to hear that you are, are bullish on their company and are you know enjoy having them in the space to make things easier for you guys to attain as well, as well as others in the space, I would, I would think. But Andrew, thank you so much. It was fascinating learning some more about payroll. Um, that is it for today's episode of Tux Time, though. Don't forget to go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, and rate us. Um, and we will be back with you next time. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Julie.